Well, good morning, Summit Church. You might wonder, you might wonder, what are you doing up there? Well, I'm among friends, so if I stumble a little bit, I'm going to be okay. Our pastors are on vacation. Isn't that wonderful that they have the opportunity to get away a little bit, get some rest and relaxation? We miss them, but they're going to come back refreshed and strengthened. Pray for them this week. I know they're having a great time. So today, I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. There's singing, there's dancing, and there is victory in the house of the Lord today. Join me in prayer, won't you? Father, we thank you for this great opportunity to come into your house today, Lord God, to be together in unity, to offer praise to you, O God. We love to come and praise you and be together. Father, I pray the anointing upon this word today, Lord God, that you will have the people hear what you want them to hear. Father, that every word that I say will give glory to you and show people who Jesus really is. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm a word person, so I have a lot of scriptures for you today, as Miss Karen kindly reminded me. And I'm also a prayer person, so I pray a lot and I read the word a lot. But that's okay, because we should base everything on the word of God. It is our B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. It will tell you how to do everything in your life. So today we're going to talk about the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. You all know the commandment, but I hope you're going to see something in a different light today. So let's go to Matthew 22, verse 37 in the New King James. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now there's a word that is inferred in the last two points of that, and that word is love. We could say that scripture this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. And love the Lord your God with all your mind. The inferred word is love, and love comes from your heart. If you'll notice the word all, it doesn't say some, and it doesn't say a little bit. It says all. The Hebrew definition of all is entire, with no part left out, and the whole of. So does God have your whole heart today with no part left out? We're going to examine our heart today, and we will be able to answer that question. Jesus said this is the greatest commandment. This should be our greatest mission statement. It is my bio on Facebook. Your bio is what you're all about. It's all about your life. What it really means is to love him with your whole being. The word heart occurs over 1,000 times in the Bible, so it must be pretty important. In the Hebrew, it means a person's center for physical, emotional, intellectual, and moral activity. The heart is the core of your being. So it's no wonder Jesus made that the very first commandment and the, the commandment that we are to live by. Proverbs 4, verse 23 in the New King James tells us, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. All of life flow out of our heart. 
Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, New King James, he said, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your heart is abundantly filled with love for him, and this wellspring of adoration will be what flows out of your mouth. When the, when the children were young, we'd take a drive in the car, and we would have conversation. Our son was about 11 years old, so we were talking to him about career choices and all the things that he could do with his life. So pretty soon, on the other side of the back seat, <clears throat> Rebecca was about seven at the time, we heard this little voice say, well, I know what I want to be. And I thought, wow, she already knows. Maybe she'll be a teacher like me, maybe a nurse or a missionary. Well, she said, when I grow up, I want to be the Easter Bunny. <laughs> That's my child. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. She walked in that dream for a little while, and then she realized that wasn't going to happen. The King James Dictionary definition of abundance is to have great plenty overflowing quantity. So we must ask the question, what is the abundance of my heart? Let's look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 in the New King James. This tells us, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So today, we're going to do a heart check. Just like when you go to the doctor and the doctor uses a stethoscope and he listens to your heart beating, he might even do an EKG because he wants to find out if there's any defects or abnormalities that would call a, cause a blockage and that would cause heart damage. We have the blood of Jesus flowing through our spiritual heart, but we can get a spiritual blockage that can cause spiritual heart damage. But first, I want to take you mountain climbing because the view's better up there. Anybody here ever been mountain climbing? Okay. Well, when I went to the Smoky Mountains last year, I went mountain climbing. And I climbed up about two and a half miles. And it was a man-made path, but it was still steep and it was still a climb. But boy, when I got to the top, there was the most beautiful waterfall. And the, the view was well worth the climb. When I go to Southern California, there's a place called Torrey Pines, and you go up the mountain to a peak, and if you were to step over that peak, there's a ledge, and you can look straight down thousands of feet. I've never stepped over that peak, <laughs> but the hang gliders do. And they step over that peak onto the ledge. They spread out those majestic wings. They wait for the right wind. And when it comes, boy, it just lifts them and they soar. It reminds me of the scripture, to be mounted up with wings as eagles. I've never stepped over that peak, but I want to. I want to step over that peak onto that ledge. I want the winds of the Holy Spirit to lift me higher with God than I've ever gone before. Don't you? Amen. Amen. Let's go to Psalms 24, verse 3 to 5 in the NIV. So who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, 
who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God their Savior. That's the place on the mountain I desire to be. Exodus 24, you don't need to go there, but that tells us about Moses going up the mountain. Now, you would have to say his heart was right with the Lord. No one else could go up that mountain with him. Moses had faithfully served the Lord during his entire 40-year journey in the wilderness. However, at the last, Moses disobeyed the Lord. He lost the joy of going into the promised land. It's a dangerous thing to go into the presence of the Lord without your heart right. In the Old Testament, the high priest could go into the most holy of holies once a year to offer sacrifices. They wore little bells sewn into the hem of their robe. If they had one unrighteous thought, they would fall dead. In the New Testament, because of a heart issue, Ananias and Sapphira fell dead. Don't be afraid. Nobody's going to fall dead today. The transfiguration of Jesus occurred up the mountain. That's when Jesus was transfigured. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes was white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to him and talked to him. Moses went up the mountain to get the law, and Jesus came to fulfill the law. That's where you will be transfigured when you go up the mountain into the presence of the Lord. And I want to do that, but with my heart in right condition. We don't have to climb a mountain nowadays, but the lesson is to be in the presence of the Lord, we must have a pure heart. Matthew 5, verse 8 in the New King James. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So let's look at the only one that has a perfect heart. His name is Jesus. What was his heart like? First of all, Jesus is so obedient. He was obedient even unto death. Let's go to Matthew 26, verse 39 in the New King James. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Is our heart ready and a willing and willing to obey the Father no matter what the cost is? Jesus left a perfect home to come into this imperfect world to walk through opposition, rejection, unbelief, disappointment, heartbreak, and all of life challenges. He walked this path before us to make the way for us. He did all this in obedience to his father to take all the broken pieces and make a masterpiece, to go where God said to go, to do what he said to do when he said to do it. I examine myself to see if this attribute lives in my heart. Jesus is humble. He does not seek his own. We see the heart of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 29 in the New King James when he tells us, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Hebrew word for rest is to be quiet. The Greek meaning is refreshed. The only place your soul will be quiet and refreshed is in the presence of the Lord. There was never anyone more gentle or more humble than Jesus. Let's go to the evening before the crucifixion. 
They call this Maundy Thursday. We find Jesus having the Last Supper with his disciples, after which the King of Kings gets on his knees and washes the disciples' feet. I have been to a Maundy Thursday service several times. It deepened my understanding, the heart of Jesus. It will humble your heart. You can put your shoes back on. We're not going to wash feet today. But you will find it a life-changing experience if you ever do it, if you participate in it. Every humble act you perform for others deepens your heart and prepares your heart to be more like Jesus. Jesus tells us in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to be a great leader, follow his example, and serve others. Jesus is faithful. Luke 2, verse 49 in the New King James shows the heart of Jesus in being ever faithful to his father when he tells his parents, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Even at the young age of 12, Jesus was faithful before his father to the task he was sent to do. No one had to tell Jesus to be about his father's business. His heart longed to please his father. I want to please my father also without anybody telling me to do that. Jesus said he could have called 72,000 angels, but he chose not to. I search my heart to see if I am faithful like Jesus. He was faithful to the cross. He was faithful unto death. Jesus is compassionate. Whatever he did, he did with compassion. Psalms 145, verse 8, in the New King James tells us, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. First of all, Jesus had compassion for the lost, you and me. That's why he came to die on the cross. Then he took the long way around because he knew there was a woman at a well that needed redemption. A Jewish man did not speak to a woman in public, much less a Samaritan. But the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. There was a shorter route, but he chose to go through Samaria the long way so he could minister to this woman. She needed redemption. His compassion led him there. And look what happened. One Samaritan woman, from sinner to evangelist, the whole village got saved. He offered the way in kindness to a prostitute. He noticed a tax collector hiding in a tree. He wept with his good friends, Martha and Mary, at the sorrow of losing their brother to death and his good friend. Jesus did not send a text message to Martha or Mary to offer his condolences. He did not even send an angel. He went in person. He wept with them, and then he raised him from the dead. He restored a centurion's daughter from death, and he delivered a Gentile woman's daughter from torture. Hebrews 4, verse 15 in the New King James tells us, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Am I easily touched by someone's sorrow, pain, torment, hunger, or sickness? I pray I am sensitive to reach out quickly to those who are in, t- in their time of need. Jesus is forgiving. 
I thank God for Jesus' heart of forgiveness. First and foremost, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. 1 John 1, verse 9 in the New King James tells us, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a gift for eternity. No one else can forgive our sins. Then as he hung on the cross, this incredible act of love once again flowed from his heart when he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is prayerful. Let's go to Luke 5, verse 16 in the NIV. This tells us, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It won't be on the screen, but I like the New American Standard Version. Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He gained his strength spending time with his father in prayer. He would also go to a garden called Gethsemane, and he would pray there. There are caves in that garden, and it was said that he would go into the caves to spend time with his father. I want to spend time in prayer before I make any decision. That's where we draw our strength. We find our peace. We receive direction and correction. We lift others up, and most of all, we have fellowship with our father. Prayer is the key along with faith that will open your door for blessing. Jesus is loving. John 15 verse 13 in the New King James tells us, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus not only loves, Jesus is love. That's why the first great commandment he gave us was to love Let's go to John 13, verse 35 in the New King James, and this tells us how to witness to others. It says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Only his heart of love, the God kind of love, could be the motive for Jesus to so willingly lay down his life for us and die on the cross. His love in my heart, you know, the Bible says that his love has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. This is my motivator to lay down my life for my friends, to take up my cross daily. Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen is one of my very favorite scriptures. In the New King James, it says it all. As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. It's who you are. Now, how to get there. I'm going to give you just some directions on how to get up that mountain. So let's put them into our GPS and let's go. First of all, guard your heart. Proverbs 4, verse 23 to 27 in the NIV says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So we guard our heart by walking in this verse of wisdom. You heard that song before. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, little ears, what you hear, little mouth, what you say, little hands, what you do, and little feet, where you go. That's not just a child's song. A good way to guard our heart is never do anything that you wouldn't do if he were standing right next to you. In the Hebrew, 
The word heart really means to set a watchman. To guard your heart means to set a watchman over it. Watch what you look at. Watch where you go. Watch what you do. Watch everything you do with the motive to please our Father. How about your words in meditation? Psalms 19, verse 14 in the New King James says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Think about this. Where are your words coming from? Remember our scripture, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you meditate on the word of God continually, says Psalm 1, you will be blessed. There's so many scriptures that tell us to meditate on God's word, but why? Well, let's look at John 6, verse 63 in the New King James. Along with other scriptures, this tells us that God's words are life. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. One of my favorite scriptures I go to when things are hard and my mind is clouded with doubt or discouragement is Philippians 4, verse 8 in the King James Version. Finally, brother, there's a lot of whatsoever's in this. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. So a lot of times when when I'm kind of burdened down with things that are going on, if you can just remember to flip over and begin to think about the good things in your life, because there are good things in your life, because God is good. He has given me good things, even through the hard times. So... What are you filling your heart to abundance with? Because that's what's going to come out of your mouth. So the next thing is seek the Lord. Jeremiah 29, verse 12 and 13 in the New King James. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. There we see that word all again. This means to seek his presence. You know, when you're seeking something, you want it with your whole heart, and you won't stop until you find it. Another thing we can do is to trust him. Proverbs 3, verse 5 in the New King James says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. If you trust him in all of your ways, he will lead you and guide you in the righteous path of life. I've learned when something doesn't go the way I prayed for it to go, I still need to trust him. He sees the big picture. He has the plan for your life. I want to walk in his plan. So I choose to trust him. He'll direct all of your ways and he'll never lead you astray. The next thing, always give thanks. Psalms 9, verse 1 in the NIV. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wondrous de- wonderful deeds. We see that word all once again. So how do you get into the presence of the Lord? Psalms 100, verse 4 says in the New King James, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. 
Every time I pray, that's how I start. Oh, Lord, I enter into your gates with thanksgiving. You can always find something to be thankful about. When my daughter went to heaven last year, it was a sad day. But the first thing that came up out of my heart was, Lord, I am so thankful that I got to keep that child, that she was with us for almost 38 years, that I have beautiful grandchildren and so many wonderful memories. And so I'm thankful for that. If you do not go through those gates with thanksgiving, you won't get into his courts. So that's very important. Give him your whole heart. God tells us in Proverbs 23, verse 26 in the NIV, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. I'm going to talk about my granddaughter, Chloe Rose. For about four years now, she has been sponsored for a Christian day camp. Well, she went for a couple of years, and we were sitting on the porch talking. Always talk to your kids and grandkids. They'll share their heart with you, and you might be surprised what you hear. So we were talking about giving our heart to Jesus. And she surprised me and said, but Nana, I haven't given my whole heart to Jesus yet. I've given him part of it. So, of course, we had a conversation about the value of surrendering your entire heart to the Lord. So about three years into day camp that year, she came home. We were sitting on the porch again. She said, Nana, today I gave my whole heart to Jesus. My heart was overflowing with joy. He wants our whole entire, every single piece of all of our heart. It's all about surrender. You know, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but sometimes things get into your heart and you don't realize it. I went to him the other day and I said, Lord, do you have my whole heart? And he showed me something that I was kind of holding back. It was a hurt in my heart. But I want him to have my whole heart. I trust him. He is my God. And so I pushed past that hurt, and I said, Lord, I want you to have my whole heart. I don't want to keep anything from him. Many years ago, there was a guest minister at a church where we attended. This man just overflowed with the love of God. And one thing he said that I remember after all these years, the only part of your life that won't prosper is the part you don't give to God. Boy, that hit me. I went home and I gave um, something that had been a problem for years in my life to the Lord, and it was, it was solved. It was solved immediately. In all the things that Jesus did and all the things that we just talked about that we can do, we are showing worship to our God. Our whole life should be a worship to him. It's not just about singing. It's not just about saying good things. It's all of us. It's our whole heart. All we say, do, or think should give glory to our God. Pastor Terry has taught us in Matthew 6, 21, and the New King James, let's read it, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure today? What do you give your attention and your time to? What do you hold back from the Lord? What is your first love? You know, when you answer that question, there you will find your heart 
If you've been inspired by anything in this message today, give your whole heart to him. He has given his whole heart to us. Would you stand with me, please? My prayer today is that I have shown you who Jesus is and that I have shown you that God wants your heart. I heard a story years ago about a man that had a bologna sandwich. Now, I don't like bologna, so I would not have a bologna sandwich. But he had a bologna sandwich. And the Lord came to him, and the Lord showed him a banquet table because that's what God has for us. He is our banquet. And the man didn't want to trust the Lord. He didn't want to let go of his bologna sandwich to get that banquet. Let's let go of our bologna sandwich today. Let's partake in the Lord's banquet table because he has spread it out before us. We have some people at the altar today that love Jesus with all their heart, and they love you with all their heart. The Bible says if two of you agree as touching anything upon this earth, he will do it for us. Our Father in heaven will do it. So let us pray with you today. Maybe you need salvation today. Maybe you need to know this Jesus. He's wonderful. You will never regret that decision. Maybe you need to rededicate your life because things do get into our heart. Maybe you need provision. Maybe you need healing. Whatever it is, we would love to pray with you. When we go out of the parking lot today, notice the sign that says now entering the mission field. Let's tell somebody about the great heart of Jesus this week and how much he loves them. You'll be so blessed when you do. I love you guys so much. He loves you more. Go and be blessed.